Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up? And welcome to Social Jello with Angelo. I am here with Will. God damn it, Will. Oh, here, we go, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Because I, I, I love butchering names right before. Start. This is a good one, too. There's no way I can say this right. D- D- <laughs> I think I'm going to have a small seizure. Don't Stru- hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something. So, Deutschendorf would be the correct German. You know, Detschendorf is how my grandpa always said it. And that's how my dad says it. And it also sounds, I don't know less like you're constipated, you know, trying to hurt yourself. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for that. Will Detchendorf. Thank you. I, I'm just glad I do a lot of cardio and I don't have to worry about having a stroke anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here with Will. We can keep things simple. He's a Kajikimbo practitioner, a Kajikimbo black belt. Now, I normally just get started with the show and we start talking about what got him into Kajikimbo, but I think it's really interesting how Will ended up on the show. Um, I do know Will. Actually, I personally know Will. I've met him, but we're going to get to that in a sec. The way I found Will on this one was really roundabout. Me and my daughter were watching the newest Ghostbusters. And my daughter was like, I really like this movie. She was really, she's like, she's weird. She's into spooky stuff. She's like six. Nice. And I'm not, I was at the same age. I would not, I would stay away from horror films. I'd cry. There was no way you can give me a horror film, but she loves like spooky stuff. So I'm like, all right, cool. Let's watch Ghostbusters. And um, she's loving it. And by the time we're done, my wife's like, hey, there's a whole series of Ghostbusters. Those, those characters that they had in this new movie, those old guys, they're that guy that supposed that guy that actor died and we we're trying to explain to her you know there's a another ghostbuster She's like i really want to watch it I'm like all right so we start popping in and going through the whole ghostbusters series and while watching ghostbusters my wife says you know most of these people are gone like they're like really old now or like some of the actors are have passed away or some yeah. of the actors what happened to them so i'm like kind of looking online about what happened to some of the actors and while just kind of perusing through the different actors from Ghostbusters 2, I think it is, right? That's the That's one right. with, with the storyline. There's a, a baby in Ghostbusters 2. And I just kind of, oh, look, hey, there's that baby. And then an article comes by of the baby grown up. And I see Will's picture. And I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's like, that's, no, that's gotta no, be trippy. I can't even yeah. imagine something like that where it's like, I've seen him before. You know, I saw the Kaji Kimbo, like, I saw the Kaji Kimbo emblem behind you and your yeah. brother. I'm like, I know those guys. They're twins. These are twins. And they, they, they're in the what? And then my wife's like, no, and she, she didn't believe me. She's like, no, no, you're just getting excited. Blah, blah, blah. You don't know. This is, this is probably a different person. Like, no, it's him. Like, I, <laughs> I know these guys. So, this links us to how I met Will. I met Will at a Kajikimbo tournament. I think it's, I don't know, Will, did they ever have another? I don't even think, wasn't it? A, I don't even remember there being a tournament. Wasn't it a seminar? It, it was, was a, a bunch of masters getting together for a seminar, right? It was a seminar tournament. So it was okay. the one time they had the, the Kajikimbo International Tournament in San Diego. They never had it there again. They usually always have it in Vegas. And for some reason, they had it in San Diego that year. And they had a seminar like they always do the first day and the tournament the next day. Gotcha, so, yeah. so you were there for the seminar and yeah, I don't think I'm, and that that kind of leads into the whole thing because yeah i couldn't have made it to the tournament it was a rough time in my life right that was that was definitely a difficult time but go ahead <laughs> yeah so the way i met will was me and my uh my former friend who also who passed away um dan we just got out of the car and we were trying to find how to get into this place where the seminar was. And we saw these two guys circling around in their car. Just lost. Lost. No idea. Like, <laughs> and circling too. Not like not like when you're lost and you're like, okay, I'm looking around. No, no we, we, it's we, like we're just turning left. Yeah, like, no, we, saw, we, we literally saw you go down the street, make a U-turn, come back, make another U-turn, come back. And you're like circling the street, like the actual street, making U-turns. And me and Dan were wearing our, our geese. And we kind of flag you guys down because you kind of stopped by and you're like, hey, are you are you guys here for the seminar? And we're like, yeah, it's right over here. 
like do you do you know how to, yeah so I don't, like oh cool so like can you get in the car we're gonna park and can you show us where it is so we got your yeah. car and we drove you around to where the parking lot was and then we walked into the seminar together and then they paired us up and we were training right so that was um yeah and that was a trip so <laughs> i, I gotta ask you because i was driving around with my twin brother and i feel like the reason you remember is because my twin brother hank who unfortunately had schizoaffective disorder and heard voices and had psychosis he was psychotic he was talking a mile a minute going you know 100 miles an hour and i was wondering like when you first met me i've like he must have remembered us because of that. He must have remembered that interaction. Like, wow, that was really weird. You know? well, Did that have anything to do with it? Or was it just because it was like you met us at the seminar and, you know, you're just like, you just remember us because we we're twins. No, I, I, I almost forgot that you were twins. That's the whole thing. Like, because it was such really? a long time ago, right? This is yeah. like, this is like, okay, so I've been in Japan for 10 years. And, yeah, I, went, and I went to that tournament about five years before that. So it's been, this must have been like 15 years ago. So honestly, no way. Was it that long ago? Around there. Because I've been in Japan for 10 years, right? I thought it was closer because I remembered it would have had to have been like 2011 or 2012. I think it would have been like 2012. There's, there's, one, there's one way we can check this. There's one. Yeah, way. we got to, you got to check here. now. Because I literally, as you were telling the story, I was like, wait, am I thinking of a different seminar I've been to? You know, like, international you just never know yeah i mean, I, I know for sure though because i've been in japan for about 10 years now so it definitely wasn't after that's the shame about getting older as a martial artist too because you start out in your 20s and your teens and as a kid and you're like i remember everything and your instructors i was like it ain't gonna be like that forever and then you get older and you're like yeah, i don't remember stuff as well as my older black belt students and now i'm like man i thank god they have videos and recordings because sometimes it's really hard to remember stuff yeah, let's hear. Let's try Kajukenbo San Diego International. Let's just try San Diego Kajukenbo Tournament San Diego. It had to have happened 2011-2012. Yeah, it was it was uh it was around that time. So still like even if you think about it that way, let's just say it, let's just say it was 2011 for for argument's sake, we'll say it was 2011. We're in 2022, so that's still like... We're still over 10 years ago. We're still and I'm same. sure like older Kaju Kemo guys, and just older people would be like, that's nothing. What are you complaining about? It seems like a long time now. You okay. Know? It's like, Kaju Kembo San Diego tournament 2012. Okay. All right. Hey, all right. I'm like right. patting myself on the back. There you go. Like, good, good. Okay, so well, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been hit in the head that many times, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, I've been hit in the head pretty hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. You can blame it on that. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, okay, so now I'm trying to remember where we were going with this. Okay, so yeah, it was. So what, it, what made me remember um, was that after the tournament, it turns out you guys were like in Rancho Bernardo, right? Like you're. Yeah, we're close. Yeah. So my instructor, I introduced uh, Hank. Hank, because Hank was paired up with me. Yeah. The whole time. So we were doing like, we were working yeah. with some of the Gaylord, the Gaylord guys were doing the knife stuff, right? So I remember uh, that. Yeah. So we were, I was doing knife stuff. With, I probably uh, purposely Hank. moved away from him at the time. <laughs> he was pissing me off. We can swear on here, right? I'm just, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah man. If I'm remembering this event correctly, uh, I mean, I don't know how much we can segue here, but, you know, Hank developed schizophrenia. He had psychosis, highs and lows, getting on and off medication, you know, unfortunately. And this was at a point where I pretty much had recently told him, hey, my wife's, my girlfriend at the time got pregnant. We're moving up the wedding. Our twin bond where we're together forever. But you had like another year before, like I went off and had my own family. Now that shit's over. It's happening right now. And it was like the, one of the worst moments for him. And he just went full on batshit crazy manic after that. So no. yeah, he was just, he was, I'm surprised he even concentrated to work with you drilling. I mean, well, when he, he was, he, 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 you know, I was, so like at that point, me, um, a psychology postgraduate, I was, no, at that point I was a psychology student. So I, I, yeah. was, in the, I was about to wrap up my bachelor's degree. So I told my instructor when I when I 
when I introduced Hank to my instructor, I said, the guy talks a lot. I think he has ADHD. Yeah, him, it seems like him, that way. Cut him, cut him <laughs> some slack. Because <laughs> oh, I, I gave him the number, right? And my instructor immediately calls me back. He's like, that guy's something else. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like hey, you know, he, you know, he's probably got like ADHD. And at the time, like my, um, my instructors dealt with people with like, he's got, you know, I mean, in martial arts all the time. Like, yeah, that, that, that's a lot of, I think, I think 50% of martial arts have ADHD. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've noticed that too. It does seem, I mean, I got ADHD, you know, I mean, it does seem to be a, a high number. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what the correlation between them. I haven't read the numbers yet. I should. But, yeah. but I'm pretty sure they're higher than normal. So like that's what we pretty much passed it off as, and um and so like my instructor did some stuff with um with Hank and your instructor at the time, the guy who ironically showed... also has ADHD. Okay, he's got it contained to just hyper focus on martial arts. God bless him. So every well, other area not so hot, but we, we, we always say it. In psychology, we like people think that ADD or ADHD means that they can't focus on anything. It's not that. It's that they want to focus on everything all at once. And if you can learn how to hone that into something, it turns into something really awesome. And I think right. that's where the martial arts kind of helps out. I, yeah, I think that's why, because there's so many different things that you can concentrate at the same time that are synergistic. For whatever reason, just kinesthetically, martial arts really works for people with ADHD, which yeah. is great because otherwise I don't know what we'd all do for a living and you know in our spare time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know for sure me, I have I have ADD. I have ADD. I have the the other version of that. But um yeah. So that's what yeah, that's why I remembered that event. Like I remember meeting Hank. I remember Hank talking to me quite a bit. Um <laughs> and we talked about martial arts and he said he told me what he wanted to do and his plans. And in yeah. the middle in the middle of all of this, he never mentioned ghostbusters so i had no we never do yeah you know, I never did. so i had no idea so like I, I go the rest of my life thinking that's an interesting point of my life and i moved to japan a little after that um about two years after that i moved to japan and um and that's the end of the story or so i thought until i find you again and so now we're gonna segue we're gonna do quentin tarantino style <laughs> back in nice. time Go like back it. in time. So what, how do you end up getting into Kaji Kembo? Okay. Well, let's start with when you have a last name like Detchendorf, you have to learn how to protect yourself because that's just not a good last name to have starting off. Me and my twin brother moved to San Diego when we were like eight years old. <clears throat> and as twins, we were always in the same class, you know, like in Colorado where we lived in a world, you could be in the same class as twins. They didn't care. For whatever reason, the principal at the school we went to, they didn't allow twins to be in the same class. So we were in the same class in elementary school from like first and second grade and that or in kindergarten, first grade. And then all of a sudden in second grade, when we came here, they split us up. And so for whatever reason, that had a really interesting effect on me because I became much more introverted, at least at that point in my life. And so Hank was pretty much the same way because you split up two people who were together all the time. We didn't know what else to do, and we moved into a new environment, so we just kind of shelled up. And that isn't good when you're trying to not get bullied. You know, as you know, you got to be confident and you got to be outspoken when you need to be. And if you try to befriend somebody and for whatever reason it doesn't click, it's easy to become a target. So I got into martial arts just strictly from I'm tired of getting my ass kicked. I had this bully named Dan Mayer, and if he ever hears this, I hope you eat shit and die and burn in hell because I, I can attribute all of my martial arts training and all of the good things that have happened in my life to him. And I still hope that you die penniless. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So, and I, that's, you don't have to take that out of the podcast. So, someday. so, so you're not going the, you're not going the George St. Pierre route. <laughs> But when he saw his bully, and he, he, hey, my, he, my Grammy was, was the sweetest person on the planet. And when you pissed her off, she remembered that shit forever. And I am the same way. So, uh, so this guy would just like two or three times, he just beat the shit out. And he wasn't a little guy. They're never little, you know, <laughs> he's always this five foot 
nine kid who's in fourth grade for some reason, you know? So yeah, I got into martial arts because of that. And I didn't even realize what I was doing. I was training, watching anime, you know, have you, you into anime at all seen it? Oh yeah, so no, that's, uh, Dragon Ball Z is what-, what Dragon uh, Ball Z, dude, I'm, so I'm sitting there watching really Dragon cool. Ball Z like shit. I can run uphill with some milk jugs or whatever, you know, like I, I, so me and Hank got really big into that. Uh, but my parents couldn't really afford a martial arts school or anything like that. We already lived in San Diego in an upper middle class neighborhood. My dad somehow swung that. Uh, Segway again, probably younger people won't know who this person is, but my dad's brother is John Denver, who was a very famous country singer. And so he helped him out in some areas when it came to things like buying a house in San Diego because my dad didn't really have the credit score or the down payment or anything like that at the time. Five kids is expensive. So uh, we lived in San Diego, just barely. Wasn't gonna get to train at any martial arts schools anytime soon. So for like three or four years, I'm learning martial arts via anime, which I don't recommend <laughs> as your teacher. <laughs> now you got YouTube and shit. I mean, at least then you got something that's more lifelike. Uh, so we did that until randomly I put in my name into what's called a lead box. You know, lead boxes, you know, okay, so. I'm sure you're familiar with the term McDojo. Okay, yes. Okay, so very standard McDojo protocol. You live in a shop, you got a shopping center. You're there, you're gonna leave a, leave a box in every single area, every single store that will let you because you haven't pissed them off yet by advertising around for their place. And then you hope to God that someone puts a real name in it and that you enroll them at your school. So that's what I did. I didn't know, I went to the barber shop. I put my name in. You can win a free month, you know, which is like everyone wins a free month. And um, my, my instructor at the time said that I, me and Hank were probably the only people who we ever actually got from a lead box. You know, otherwise it was very expensive boxes. You put them out, sometimes you go and they're just gone. You know, you never see them again. And that's how it got started. And we started at a United Studios of Self-Defense, which when I started, because I'd never trained before, I thought it was the coolest shit I'd ever learned. And I wish I could go back in time to that moment where, because United Studios is essentially McDojo, I, I could have just that feeling. Because at a certain point, you know, you start like looking around like, hey, wait a minute, that's a really weird move, you know? Like, I don't think that would actually work. Or, hey, when you hit him in the groin, doesn't his weight go forward? Why the hell are we doing this like body lock, push him over and send him the other way move without trying to get his posture back up? Just stupid stuff like that. How can I kick him and break his arm in the air at the same time? You know, like that's a pretty high level move for a blue stripe or whatever. So, you know, you get the idea. You just start seeing things. And then I noticed because my parents were essentially poor, for, you know, not poor, but poor to be in a upper middle class area. You know, there's a difference. Uh, so things were tight. They were paying monthly. So United Studios McDojo philosophy is you go three months, six months, 12 months, and you get a discount at every single point. Well, my parents couldn't commit to some shit like that. So it was $250 every month for me and for Hank, $500 a month to train in martial arts. And once I found that out, you know, at this point, I started at eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade. I'm feeling really bad about being there. You know, like I'm not getting the same positive feeling anymore. But, you know, we kept training and uh, essentially we started helping out at the school and, you know, that was going really well for a while. And we eventually got our black belts and we kept teaching there and we befriended a bunch of other older guys who were there. Uh, one of them was Bob Rose, who used to train with Fred Villari back in the day, like a long time ago, trained with Fred Villari, got married, got divorced, <laughs> came back to martial arts afterwards, you know. Another guy, Steve Barcolis, was married, got divorced, came into my pattern. <laughs> yeah, a pattern of sadness of some sort for older men. So, yeah, it, that seems to be the way they deal with their midlife crisis is to come back to martial arts. But so these guys befriended us. And then there was another guy, Eric, who was actually teaching while we were there, who eventually, you know, we became friends with. And so we were all instructors together. But we're at this McDojo and I know it's a McDojo. I've been there long enough. I'm like, I fucking hate teaching here, but I love martial arts, you know? So it's like, what the hell do you do? There was nothing else available. And I've got this, you know, what's the term? Oh, where you're, you're at wits with each other, where it's like, you know, something's right on one hand, 
but you know it's wrong at the same time, but you keep on doing it. You know, do you know the term I'm talking about? There's a word for that. Either way, it's a horrible place to be. It's, it, it's basically- uh, well, it, well, there's one word that we can use would be ambivalence, right? The idea that you have these positive feelings mixed with negative feelings and you're going to push through anyway. So like they say in psychology, that ambivalent relationships are the worst because at least if you was all good, then it's all good. If it's all bad, then you know it's all bad. But when it's a mix of good and bad, that's when it's really hard to kind of nail down what to do next. Yeah. So, yeah. And then that's where we were at. And so the five of us instructors, we would go out to eat and hang out after our instructor workouts and everything. And, you know, after a while, we started making this joke that we were going to open up a martial arts school. And I, this is the worst name for a martial arts school. We we're going to call it Camel Toto. Okay. And they, these divorced men all wanted hot women to be in their martial arts classes. And that was like the starting joke was you're going to have girls in hot uniforms training and these guys were going to train them. And it was just a joke. You know what I mean? And we never really thought much about it. We, we talked about it a lot, but you know, I was like, we're screwed. You know, we're like 19 years old now at this point, we've been training for a while. I'm like, you know, eventually I'll go to college and I'll get a real job. You know, I'll stop getting screwed over and getting paid as a contractor, even though I'm employed by this guy and getting 1099 and making, you know, half as much money as I should, all this stuff. And one day Hank's teaching an older guy and it's like eight o'clock at night before an instructor workout. And he's teaching one of those moves where it's like, uh, I don't even know. Are you familiar with like the tech, like the ABCs of Kaju Kent, like those fundamental yeah. techniques? It's yeah. supposed to be one of those ones, but it's, you know, a bastardized Shaolin Kempo version, you know, where it doesn't make any sense where you hit the guy with, you know, an elbow or something, you hit him low and he bends over and then you're supposed to, no, you hit him with an elbow to the face. I'm trying to remember it right. Uh, no, you hit him high, you hit him low, and then you try to sweep his leg, even though his weight's forward, but you're sweeping his ankle, even though his weight's forward. So you're trying to get him to go that way when his whole body weight is like in the wrong position. And Hank's teacher, and he's like trying to get the guy to like do it somehow. And finally, Hank literally says something along the lines of fuck it. And he walks over to our instructor who's sitting in his office and he throws his belt at him and he's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm out and leaves and so our idea of camel toto as a joke all of a sudden became we're actually going to open up a martial arts school so hank leaves and then not too long after bob leaves and then steve leaves and i'm the last one there with that ambivalence problem you're talking about okay and i can't i don't think i think hank kept training until we got our secondary black belts. We were like a month away from that. Cause we were like, what the hell? We might as well get the highest rank we can here. Even though at the time I was like, I was so, I, I just had such a negative view of USSD. I was like, who fucking cares anyway? You know, it's like all these rich money grubbing fuckers are just this horrible industry I'm trapped in now. Uh, and so we get our secondary black belts. And then I tell my instructor, I'm going to take a sabbatical which I learned the word from my instructor who was clearly talking to me for several long conversations, trying to keep me in the school. And I learned the word sabbatical from him. And I told him, Hey, I'm going to take a sabbatical. Okay. And I never come back. And we start looking for a building and we open up our martial arts school. He would find a new instructor who was trained under um, Steve Damasco, who trained under an Exerio. And are you familiar with the Shaolin Kempo lineage at all? Mm, I no, I'm not. I'm not familiar with, with Lenny. So I know, I, 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 I know Shaolin. I know I don't know Shaolin Kempo myself, but I've been to their schools in San Diego, so I do know the organization okay. I'm talking about. So um, I I'm someone's gonna kick my ass because I am the worst with names, and even before we went on here, I was telling some of my students like hey, I'm getting to this podcast. I really wish my instructor, uh, Giuseppe Aliota was here because he's great with all that stuff because he zones in on martial arts. And, you know, like you hitting me up, if I just saw your face on Facebook, I would never remember you. If you didn't say, hey, remember the turn, you know, all that stuff. I'm just the worst with names and faces. And so, yeah, um, I believe Nick Serial was trained to some degree by William Chow. I don't know for sure. So that's supposed to be the lineage that we're under. And so yeah, Steve- William, Mosco- Chow, William Chow, I do recognize his name. Okay, good. Thank God. So I named somebody. I don't know if that's true, but you know, I'm throwing it out there. 
And so Damasco was supposed to be the better martial artist and Matera who trained her next year was supposed to be more of the businessman. Matera started United Studios. Steve Damasco was somehow affiliated with them. And my instructor Giuseppe Aliota lived with him for years and he was just the most diehard Buddha head martial artist, you know, uh, you know, kind of guy he did boxing for a number of years, went to a police league, just completely neglected his school, got busted by his master to Moscow because he was like, what the hell are you doing? You can't be training all the time. You have a school to run. He's just that kind of guy where it's like training is number one. Who cares about the business side? It'll work itself out eventually, you know? And so we found him in just Encinitas, which is like 30 minutes away. So we started training with him for like seven or eight months. We started our school under him. And Sonny Gaskin, are you familiar with him for uh, Karu Senpo Go Shinjitsu? No, no. Hey, I well, mean, it's just- But I'm horrible with names. Family. Look, I'm horrible with names. So like anybody- well, Thank God. Yeah, me too. Me the too. worst so, podcast ever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Whenever, whenever people listen to the podcast, I always tell them, hey, it's up to you to go to like, you asked me about Kajikimoli Ninjas, and that's why I said this off camera before we started. I'll say it on camera because I don't give a fuck. I know my lineage up to the uh, uh, up to Shizu Alan Abad who passed away. After that, I'm really bad with all the names. It's kind of what inspired me to start doing the podcast and talking to the people that came from whatever lineages they do because that's where it comes from. So I know my lineage. Yeah. I know where it goes. And then after it gets to She's Well and Abad, I get really fuzzy about the names past that. So like, gotcha. I know my I know my Ohana, and then from there, like it's up to the people that are talking about something. Like, <laughs> and, I, and I'm always like, I'm sorry. And they'll get mad sometimes. Some people get mad. They're like, you don't know. So and so. I mean, I got I got a one of those big ass Kaji Kimball family tree things in my school, you know. Yeah, so it's like. Here. You tell me a name and where the area it is it's, on the map, and I can find it. It's but not in alphabetical order, so it's not exactly easy to find. It's, it. it's psychotic. You look at this thing, and it's like, like I mean, you got map. the main, but it's like it's more. Top. It's more like a map. It's not really an index. I would no. compare it more to a map, like, and it's got. Imagine a treasure map written in the in the 1400s to try to find some hidden treasure in the Pirates of the Caribbean. And that's what it's like to find anybody's name on the tree. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. I have, that's a game I play with my students, with the younger ones. When the, their parents are like picking them up, I was like, try and find my name on that thing. You know, takes it, they never find it in time. It's just like, and that goes back to a, well, I don't, I shouldn't say, but there's a certain amount of politics behind them even just that thing and i'm gonna say before we continue julianus man you're doing a great job i'm not talking shit about the family cause you care that's a very good point because I, I you are making the, the most of what it, it's like you walk it's like a clusterfuck and you are doing the best job i wouldn't have it in my school if it wasn't an amazing thing where i can be like look this is the lineage of my art when someone walks in i'm like okay so this is Kajukembo. The reason it's like this is because it was a mixed style martial arts art in Hawaii and people just kind of picked and choose the things that they wanted to focus on and they just kept on going with it and then their students did and then that's what it is. And, 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 his, it, job, and his job is just getting harder every year. because like, I don't, I don't just, know how you would do something I, like I, that. I think they keep setting up more names and he has to keep going. It's so like at this point, it would almost take, and I'm not trying to tell anyone how to do their job, <laughs> it would almost take like... <laughs> A Kaju Kimbo tree, and then you would literally need like a Kaju Kimbo index. And I don't know who the fuck's gonna have the time to look at every oh single God. name on that and then alphabetize. Oh no, no, hey, no. You know I, what? I, I, when <laughs> I saw it, I loved it and I, I got one. You know what I mean? Like, I thought yeah. it was so cool. What, which yeah. year? What year? Which year is it? Which year is yours? <sighs> I'd have to go look at it. Yeah, it's got, I mean, it's after, it's after Hank lost it so i mean i know it's 2012 11 somewhere i mean i should honestly get a new one which yeah. is like oh well, i got the new one so i had the old one. I had the, oh I had, man i had a 2009 or 2010 no i had a 2009 2010 because my instructor said you really should buy it this year because you're on it this year so if you buy it now your name will be on there i'm like all right See, so I, and I would I should be trying to get some of my black belts on there too. Cause I mean, now I have my own school and I've been teaching for 15 years in this location. I honestly need to hit the guy up and be like, oh, Hey, yeah. it's, it's as simple as if you, if he, and he's really cool. Like you can literally hit him up, hit him up on Facebook and message him. And um, he'll take a minute to respond, but he always does respond. 
And as long as they're over 18, he'll put the names in. They just say, hey, this that's is, really cool. This is where I am. These are my students. And he'll throw them right under the your name. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty simple process to get the, to get the name added. So, like, I got the 2021 version of the tree. And I, it's so different from the one I had already. Like, the really? names were bigger. There was, like, bigger names. And he talked about this on the podcast. Like, there are bigger names, bigger pictures. Is it the, it can't everything's be the just, same size. Everything's How big is it getting, now? Dense. It's, it's the same size. Really? But everything's getting smaller. Like, <laughs> the print. The wow. print is getting smaller i can't I even think, imagine I, that I think, without it got a, I think it got a little bit bigger but not by much because he's trying because he's running out of ways to print that giant thing yeah that's, i mean i'm looking at it right now and i'm just like how would you get more on there <laughs> <laughs> so i mean more power to him you know like, that's yeah. really cool that i i really appreciate someone doing that because whenever someone's like well, like, what's Kaju Kembo? I'm always like, okay, let me try and explain it in words. And I'm sure you've run into this problem. Like, did I, I sent you the What is Kaju Kembo podcast? I think that's the one I sent yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. reason, did. like, I, I made one because it's come up. I can't seem to get through one episode with a Kaju Kembo guy where we don't talk about what is Kaju Kembo. And we always have different definitions. So I finally made that one podcast with Hackleman to talk about it. Because, yeah, that was cool. Because people are always wondering the same question and i the problem when we go into this like luckily it's me and you I, at this point mostly kaji list practitioners are the ones listening to these kind of podcasts and i always feel bad for people that are not kaji practitioners that just jump into a podcast like this and start listening to two yeah. kaji guys talk because if you listen to a kaji guy you say what is kaji most of them from what i've seen will mention sijo they'll, they'll mention sijo adrano imperado started right. a mixed martial art in hawaii that's what most of them will say not all of them but most of them and then they'll talk about their connection to that somehow so like whatever that is they might mention two or three other names and then finally you get to the guy you're talking to <laughs> and then right. and, but we still haven't really talked about what it is so that now the person is really confused okay you're in hawaii you got this guy oh street fighting fit for the streets is always going to be in there somewhere someone's right. always going to be like it was developed for street fighting and now you have a disconnect for some of the newer generation they're like what what do you mean street fighting like is it for like mma and then so like some of the newer generation guys will come in at this point and be like wait 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 we got people doing mma you know check out hackleman his school you know if you've ever heard of people like chuck liddell or glover texaria you know these, these ufc champions these people are doing the mma stuff and then some of the guys are like, no, the guys that aren't connected to that will start going more into the street side, which I feel right. I'm about to step on toes right now, which I feel really <laughs> turns off the newer generation. The more you say street, the more this generation goes. Yeah, <laughs> <and> they cringe. <laughs> well, everyone has their own like idea in their head. You know what I mean? I could go either way. Some people in our generation, everyone did karate because of Karate Kid when they were five. So it's like when they think of martial arts in general and anyone in a gi, they're like, oh, that's something I did when I was five. I don't, never mind like the 80s and, you know, like my instructor and then became partner and friend Bob Rose when it was like Valari and it was all policemen and, you know, military people who were getting in there and just beating the crap out of each other and way more hardcore. And then you have the martial arts industry bastardization mcdojo you know belt factory thing that happened which you know uh, i got respect for it to a degree there's definitely positive things that have happened with that but yeah you know you had people like that where it's like there's this mythical street somewhere that people are fighting on but you know all they see is kids with black belts and they're like what the heck do you mean street fighting you know it's like it it reminds me of this this meme i saw of uh of simba and Mufasa and it has them on the pride lands on pride rock looking over at the I love my wife dark loves, lands are. my wife loves that movie so I am like totally 100% with, with you now and now I think I can even trick her into listening that's from that one reference the meme says the meme has Simba asking Mufasa what are those lands over there everything on this land is yours right that, that whole yeah, line yeah, 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 yeah. but what about those lands over there those are the streets. We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Must never go there. Yeah. Uh, it's true, though. It's true. 
I, I can't remember if it was me or Hank, but at one point we we're like, where is this mythical street everyone's fighting on? You know, <laughs> violent out there. Uh, people, are getting, people are getting their eyes pulled out. Yeah, man, they're doing their tracheas. What the hell is going tiger on? Claw, tiger claw. Can't we just take a right? You know, <laughs> wherever that is. Very uh, true. So yeah. So anyway, I don't even. I think we people hopefully have some idea that Kajukembo is a mixed style martial arts star in Hawaii. Everyone's got their own kind of crazy lineage. And it kind of split off in several different ways. And it's supposed to be a self-defense based martial art. You know, I would say if it's not, I think that you have to have self-defense as the main goal for Kaju Kembo. I think, I mean, don't you, do you agree? And here's the thing, serious. I'm glad we're already, I'm glad 40 minutes in, we're already on this part of the podcast. If you watch my podcast, no matter who I interview, when we're talking about their history, we always end up at this point, and we're here God, now. What is, and now well, we're here. Because there's such a and wide variety now. of, yeah. So I mean, yes, and look, we can all agree. One thing we can all agree on is that I would even, because like I said, lately I've been trying to avoid triggering this new generation, <laughs> and when I say trigger, not like the they're all mad with the girl with the glasses meme. Like, they're just like, they've literally, they've seen so many McDojos. And I blame the McDojos for this because yeah. McDojos love to say self-defense. They love to put, if you see McDojo life, there's always some guy who's, who hasn't done cardio in I don't know how many years. He can barely fit in his gi, his belt barely fits. And he's talking to you about the streets and self-defense. And those are the two words that will always come up in the middle of this. There was thing. a guy who had a DVD, I have to say this, and I just cropped in two cheeseburgers into his hands. He was doing some weird-ass eagle claw wannabe thing. And so I just, like, made the DVD like this because he's so overweight. His belly's hanging over his belt. It's like, ah, go and the, ahead. And the, and, the, and the hot words every time are self-defense and the streets. And yeah. this new generation of, of YouTube kids, and that's funny because I'm about to do a podcast with a YouTuber who's a Kaju Kimball guy, and we're going to talk about how YouTube has changed martial arts. And this is one of them. They have access, and I've gotten so much shit for saying this in other FMA forums and stuff, where as much as we hate YouTube in some aspects and other aspects, this newer generation has something that me and you never had. Like you said, we, you had anime or TV. So like- yeah. What's martial arts? I don't know. Steven Seagal, he does this thing where like yep. he flips the guy's arm and he's got the gun. Or, yeah, or, the choreography or, seemed to work so seamlessly for him, but <laughs> yeah, I'm getting so, my ass kicked, so right? So Aikido, Aikido <laughs> must be a really good practical martial art, right? Yeah. So like that was that was the thing. Or if you were lucky enough to maybe watch to not get into Hollywood and you were lucky enough to get into something like boxing and you were watching Mike Tyson, even then, you're at least now you have, you're a little more in the realm of real fighting. Actually okay. hitting somebody, yeah. Yeah, you're like, okay, so to be a good fighter, you got to be big, you got to be strong, you have to have really good head movement, but you're still missing all these other elements like grappling and stuff. But at least now yeah. you're kind of going in the right direction. There is some people that went that way. But for a lot of people, it was Hollywood. And this newer generation is not that at all. This newer no. generation has got YouTube. So when they're like, what's martial arts? Immediately, they can Google the top five martial artists immediately they can not only have access to what they do that works in a as much as we want to say this mythical streets we can we don't have footage of the mythical streets and if you do look at the mythical street the footage is a bunch of teenagers in locker rooms that don't know how to fight so when you yeah, actually very rarely do you find something like a street fight where it's a gas station brawl i've seen a couple videos where it's like and here's why you don't move back against a club. See the guy with the crowbar who backed up? That's the club. It's the crowbar. He backed up. Guy goes down. That's and, why you move in a club. You know, it's but, like but, stuff but like who that. Are these, but who are these people, right? They're probably yeah, you don't all have any untrained. idea what their abilities are. They're probably all untrained, right? So like when a kid goes on YouTube now, they're obviously going to go straight for sport. And they're going to look at people in the cage. That's where they're going to go. That's where yeah. a lot of them are going. They're going to go people in the cage or maybe people in kickboxing. In America, it's usually people in the cage. And then not only can they find that fighter, they can find their trainer. 
and there's a whole YouTube channel, and this is what works, and this is how you do it, and this is a double leg takedown, this is a single leg takedown, this is, and they can yep. find all that information. And maybe they don't know how to process it. Maybe they can't even do it because you don't have a physical person just watching a video, right? Right. But now they have a very good idea of what's real and what's fake. And unfortunately, for martial artists that are doing something real, because we are in that industry, and a lot of parts, as you just admitted in your story, are McDojos that are taking advantage of people trying to steal their yeah. money. Um, they'll meet us and they're immediately, well, as before, us who didn't have that, we just come in and see a person in a gi and be wowed, right? Um, this newer generation comes in, they're immediately skeptical. They're like, what if I'm in a McDojo? This is just, I, I, I wouldn't even, as a kid, I would never imagine a thing as a McDojo. I just assumed that if you're wearing a gi, and you have a rank, and if you're a black belt, you must be a badass. The end. As a kid, that, that was the thought. yeah, that was the goal, right? Was you're looking yeah. at all the other black belts, you're like, okay, I want to kick ass like these guys do. I'm yeah. gonna watch yeah. them like a hawk, so I can kick ass like them. And they must be badasses. That's that's yeah. that was the assumption. I when I wasn't allowed to practice martial arts, so I had to practice in secret with my cousin. We were just sitting there. You weren't debating. allowed to practice. Yeah, but that's a long story. Oh my god, <laughs> not, not enough for. I'll listen to the podcast. Tell me the number. I don't. I don't think I ever. I, I mention it in really? my. I mentioned it as a side story. You're not allowed I, to... I, I try to give my floor time to my, <laughs> to my guests. But well, God long, bless you. Long, long, <laughs> long story short, by the time I, I mentioned this on either on my other on some other episodes, that I started when I was I started I've been training since I was 12, and I was training with a group of guys outside of the dojos because, like okay. I said, I wasn't allowed to train because my parents didn't want to pay the money. Um, I did mention on one of the other podcasts about how I went to a McDojo. And I got injured and they made me fulfill the contract. And that was when I was 16. But by then I was already training on How my own. How old are you now? 40. Oh my God, no way. You're Really? You, martial arts is doing great. Thanks for you. Don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. So when I, when I did that transition, I finally walked in to a real dojo. Um, I didn't have access to you. The YouTube was around, but it wasn't what it is now. Yeah. So I was just, as, I was pretty skeptical at that point. At 12, as a kid, I thought they were badasses. And then the guys we were training with were badasses. Like they were like, some of them were cops. Some of them were security guards. Some of them were ex-military. Some of them were from a shady criminal element that we didn't talk about too much when we trained because we would just get together at the park and the cops would yeah. really talk about <laughs> what these guys are up to outside of our training. Yeah, just don't piss them off, right? Yeah, we were talking about who they hang out with. But we trained, and that's what we did. And then when I turned 18, I finally decided to start doing Kajukembo because my neighbor did Kajukembo. And I didn't know what it was. And I was really turned off by geese at that point already. Because those yeah. guys were like telling me a different narrative. They're like, nah, not everybody with the knows what they're doing. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of um, egos, they would tell us. Yep. So by the time I stepped in, I had a little bit of that. But this newer generation, it's all that. Like, they really don't, right? They really don't yeah. have that. Uh, what I, I respect? I don't know. What word would you use? I think that disillusioned would be the word. They're, they're disillusioned by the martial arts because they see sports martial arts and they think, well, that has to be the height of the ability that you can reach for martial arts. And you have McDojo people who say things like, oh, well, you know, but that wouldn't work on the street. And then it's like, well, you meet Chuck Liddell on the street. Chances are, I don't care how fast your self-defense techniques are. He's probably going to kick your ass unless you're just the most amazing martial artist. So that's where the disillusionment comes in. But then Kaju Kimbo has always been about street self-defense. So there has to be things that you can use that you're not allowed to do in a sports combat situation. And how do you find the balance? You know, in Kaju Kimbo, there's so many strikes and movements that are illegal in a MMA fight, but they're very practical. But how do you actually apply them if you're never allowed to drill them in a high-pressure situation? And that's always been the difficult thing about Kajukembo and why no matter how much self-defense I teach my guys, we're going to spar really hard, you know, like an MMA-type situation. Because if for some reason, and that's one of the things that happened to Hank and one of the reasons why he ended up quitting, he got jumped 
by guys in high school and he couldn't defend himself and hurt them. He could be evasive and move around and basically sports karate the shit out of them with his footwork. And he walked away from that, which is great because it could have been very bad for him. But at the same time, he couldn't hurt him. You know, he fell back to sparring. And I always had that same fear that my guys will fall back to just what they do in sparring. So, you know, after I saw people doing that more where they wouldn't apply their self-defense techniques the way I wanted them to, I made sure that we spar hard so that if you do fall back to sparring, because that's the only thing you really do under super, you know, high pressure, then you're going to be able to do some damage. And I, I don't know, I don't know where people stand on that with Kaju Kembo. Um, it, it's tough, but yeah, <laughs> that's where people are at. You see someone who is training self-defense techniques, but they're not, they look like they can't beat the crap out of anybody. You know, of course you're going to think and fitness to a high can matter a lot when it comes to martial arts. You know, I think so. No, no, <laughs> I second not- then you can be really tired. Even if you are trained, if it's a real life self-defense situation, your adrenaline's going like that. So I, there's so many aspects to it. I mean, what do you think about the whole self-defense techniques aspect versus the, you know, actually putting on gloves and going at someone and taking them down and pummeling them and, you know, grappling, takedowns, throws, what do you think about all that stuff when it comes to self-defense? Did I? What do you think? You, I think you this, know, is, this is a great opportunity for a shameless plug. I, I sent you an invite to the Pit Kaju Kembo Ohana page, right? Yes, you did. Okay, cool. All right. And for all, any Kaju Kembo listeners, please check out the Pit Kaju Kembo Ohana page. This is a discussion. Not a discussion. We're sharing our training modalities on this page. I'm trying to get people to Good share. Luck. Yeah, because they don't so, want to. They're so like, <laughs> and, and people are like I, they don't want to share it. and it's like dude ev- like you just said reasons everything's on youtube you know it's like maybe we don't know exactly how you're training but somebody's out there and they're trying to plug their stuff and they're they've got their stuff on youtube you know so it's like why keep it a secret you yeah, could we could all be growing together more there, there's two there's two camps for this one camp is what you just said the secretive camp i have these secrets that nobody knows doubt it but okay fine Keep your secrets then, Gandalf. Maybe you have one. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, so. It's probably not even that good. That's why it's a secret. So like, you know, nobody knows. <laughs> and I think there's the second camp. People who have tried to share their martial arts and got trolled. I think that's a, that's a pretty big camp right there. There's a lot of people. Well, yeah, because you can always counter everything. That's the whole point of martial arts. If you have the reaction time, you know, my, my God, you can pull off some, you can jump off a cage and kick someone, you know? If you manage to drill it well enough, you can pull it off. But everyone thinks that, oh, well, that technique won't work because of X. Yeah. So like what I'm trying to do, and that's why I've been posting, like I posted myself the other day, just doing back roll get up in a Spider-Man rash guard on purpose. I was watching your overhand video today and then somebody walked in and I was like, what the (laughs) hell are you doing here? It's like, you scheduled me for a lesson. I was like, son of a bitch. But yeah, I, I... I want to so watch like, that one too. So like, I'm always sharing stuff and I'm trying to get people to share stuff. Like I want to tell people in the country, people, hey, just share your stuff. And finally a guy shared a form, like, thanks for sharing. I don't care what it is that you share. And that's what I'm trying to tell people. Like we have made these basic rules. We're not going to troll each other. We're not going to talk shit about each other. But me, that question you just asked, I'm genuinely curious about what other people are doing. If you look at Hackleman's page, he is 100% transparent of this is what I'm doing. He doesn't yeah. hide anything. Look at his YouTube channel. He pretty much has his entire program just out for the world to see. This is what I do. And anybody who wants to train with him, they can go into the Pit Online Dojo. I'm just promoting the fuck out of you, Hackleman. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm online right now. I'm like, does he have an online subscription? I can get access. Yeah, yes, he does. <laughs> so, but yeah, literally, he does his stuff and he, he has open access to everything. He does insist that people come in for the black belt test in person. But he has his entire curriculum, all his classes, access to anyone who's interested in doing it. Wow, that's now, great. Now, after that, I started realizing, okay, what's the worst that can happen? That's why I started putting my stuff out there. Just saying, hey, if people have shit to say, they have shit to say, I'll say thanks for watching and call it a day. But my philosophy to answer your question, after talking to Hackleman, and we got to wrap this up soon, I used to come over to the camp where you, that you came from. The hard knocks came. And Hackleman used to come from the same camp. That's probably why we get along so well. We beat the fuck out of each other. I started outside of Kajukembo, beating the fuck out of each other with my friends. 
and these military guys, I was a kid, and these adults were beating the shit out of me. We were beating the shit out of each other, having a great time while doing it. Yeah. And I probably got hit in the head more than I should have. And we do two on ones and we do scenarios where we get jumped and we jump each other. We wouldn't rules don't put each other in the hospital, but we didn't know enough about brain trauma to not cause it. There was a few right. <laughs> there was a few times after training sessions where I'd have headaches and all the signs of a concussion were there. Yeah. And then when I got into Kajikembo, I thought that's what training was. So when that started happening. When I was sparring, I just saw it as that's that's okay, that's normal, that's what that's we banging, we called it banging. We had our yeah. sports karate that we did, we had our light contact stuff we did with the taekwondo guys. And I was like, visit. okay, we're gonna bang. And then know, on like... Fridays, once a month, we bang. And why would we do it once a month? Because we knew we weren't gonna be in the hospital, but we were gonna be hurting, and we needed some time to recover. Was that the best way to do it? Now looking back as a forty-year-old who can't remember fucking names. No, or what year that tournament was, <laughs> <laughs> or where that tournament when it was? Yeah, no, probably not the best way to do it. Um, and even Hackleman says the same thing. Like it's funny because he said the same. He had like the same, and he's a much rougher school, right? He's getting people ready for the cage, and he has his old videos he posts of like Liddell and them. They're doing the same thing, beat the shit each other, two on ones, situations where you know you're not going to win. At that point, you're just kind of gritting three minutes of getting the shit beaten out of you. Just, yeah, to prove, just to prove how tough you are <laughs> like yeah I, i'm not i'm not going to the hospital i'm not going to give up right um but looking back on that hackleman's hackleman now you talked to him about the same stuff and he says there's ways of being intense without brain damage knowing what we know now about yeah. brain trauma about how even if you wear headgear and you might not get your face cut up nothing can stop the impact of your brain being chugged around inside your skull he's really going what you just talked about cardio he's really going after intense hit training and he's got a whole crossfit program really he does with martial arts and it's intense it's and he says it can be just as intense as our old kajakembo training and i've been trying it's i'm in japan man and in japan they're really about that old school like let's beat the fuck out of each other you go to new kickboxing school that's just let's beat the shit out of each other and I'm now this guy, this American, and they're thinking, like, why doesn't this guy want to go hard? I'm like, there's ways to do this. So, like, I've been having my guys, same thing, cardio. I just had my guys last week, and I know I'm going on a rant here, but I had one, I had two of my guys that have a fight coming up. They have a Muay Thai match coming up for the first yeah. time. They're amateur kids, they're teenagers. And they insist, I told them that I don't, I told them you should wait a year, but anyway, I don't want to go into the long story. Long story short, they have a Muay Thai match coming up. It's going to be with the, it's going to be amateur. So they have to have the helmets. Uh, right. They're going to pull out the elbows, but you can still hold the clinch and knee to the body, but no knees to the head. Are they fighting IKF or what are they fighting in? They're the fighting. Oh, okay. So it's, it's, it's going to, it's a smoker. It's a smoker in Japan. Okay. Good luck. So, Smokers, man. Yeah, okay. It's a smoker in Japan. <laughs> you never no, know who's going to show up to that. There's no, there's no league. There's no league. It was supposed to be a tournament. The promoter already contacted me and said it's going to be a one match deal. There's and, a whole, that's a whole so other side that's of a whole. You can do a whole podcast about yeah. how shady it is to do fights, but we're not going to go there right now. Oh, we're talking man. about training modalities. So it's obviously going to be full contact because they don't do light contact in Japan. Right. So these kids, I'm telling them, all right. And it's, they're fighting kids, kids fighting kids. That's one thing for sure. They're, that's at least, yeah. At, le at least it's not going to be an adult. He wanted, that's a different story. That almost happened. But anyway, <laughs> I had to talk him out of it. My kid's like, I'll do it. And like, you're not fighting a 36 year old for a retirement fight. You are 14. That's not going to happen. And his mom's like, he can do it. And like, do you know what you're asking? Like, <laughs> you know, that's like being like, it's okay to drink and smoke weed when you're young. You know, I, like, I, you really I, don't know what you're doing to your kid's head. I, yeah, it, I should wait a while and make sure they're they're done. Yeah, arguably, ar right. arguably, one weed and drinking smoking session it might actually not be as bad as a retirement fight against a professional Muay Thai kickboxer. That is very true. That is <laughs> very more true. The chances of damage, but either way, I've been pushing these guys to just do these cardio drills. So I got the paddles out. I put the chest protector on, 
And I just made these kids, and I posted that on the pit. Like I, you saw me doing just jab straight, jab straight, jab straight, basic jab straight, jab straight, jab straight, three minutes, jab straight, jab straight. All right, work the combination, work the combination. Hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. And they're hitting the pad and they're going just for yeah. body uppercut straight, body uppercut, and just imprinting this stuff. And we did that. We pretty much just worked boxing combinations and we only worked like three for 12 rounds at three minutes each. And at the very end, and they, they'd switch between mitt work and bag work. And I, I'm telling you, they probably only did like three combinations. I was trying to imprint this combination to their head. Yeah. And by the 11th round, one of the kids almost threw up. I was giving them 30 second breaks in between rounds. And if they looked give really less tired, time than they would get as a break. Yeah. So I gave them 30 second breaks and then sometimes I'd give them a minute break, but I never hit them. I had a paddle. Sometimes I'd come in with a light paddle to check to anything that's, you know, I wouldn't yeah. hit smack them, but a hit would come in and they'd have to block it. Right. If you look at that training and you look at the beat the fuck out of each other for two rounds, right. Cause how, how many rounds could you really beat the fuck out of each other? I don't know for my school, maybe two or three rounds at most. And they were very short rounds. It was like two minutes. It wasn't like three minutes because we were beating the fuck out of each other. And we yeah, were told that we had to keep fighting. When you're, yeah, exactly. So it was maybe I mean, three rounds of two minutes of beating the fuck out of each other. And then that was the end of the session compared to what this kid just did. 12 rounds of three minutes, a minute, 30 seconds each. And he looked just as beat up. I mean, he almost threw up. Like, it was just as intense. It's about 85 degrees with 90% humidity out here in Japan. Oh. So, like, you know, the intensity can be there without beating the shit out of each other, in my opinion. And the resilience that you're building and the psychology of not giving, I mean, that's what we want when it comes to preparing them psychologically, right? We want there to be a voice in their head that's saying, I don't want to do this anymore. And you're just going, you're, no matter what, you're getting through that voice. You know, like uh, my kickboxing instructor um, says, you know, if it's Godzilla on the other side of the ring, you got to have that mentality of like, all right, I'm going to find Godzilla's openings, you know, <laughs> and that's what you want. You want to have that type of mentality when you're training where it's like, no matter what happens, like I'm finishing this out. And that's the type of thing that's still going to help them when they're trying to protect themselves. Yeah. So like and that's three like, combos. If you yeah. give them a hundred different Kajukembo techniques, they're not going to remember which one to use when the time comes. But if they have three combos, they drilled like that, you know, I guarantee you something's going to come out. Yeah, it has yeah. to. I'm not against, I still teach the original curriculum. I still have that. Right. But if I have a fight coming up for my fight team, I'm going to have to focus on what's coming up. And like I said, this is now turned into a completely different type of podcast, but I think it's important. I know to I totally thought it. this was going to go in a different direction. <laughs> 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 but, but to answer your question, that's what happens, right? As, yeah. as, as, a, as a modern day martial artist, I have to focus on what's coming up. And if my fighters are in kickboxing, if they have a kickboxing match, then about two or three months before the kickboxing match, the curriculum has to match that or they're going to get really hurt. Right. So like if they have a grappling match, then it has to match that. And Kaju Kembo, I feel, is beautiful enough that you can make those adjustments for that. Does that mean the I, entire I class think, has to do that? I think that's that's a different story. I think that's why it's important to have a fight team. This is like and this is all stuff. Again, I give credit to Hackleman. I've been putting this, this together myself by myself. But after talking to Hackleman, seeing his program, and asking these questions on any any, if you look at my Kaja Kimbo series, any interviews I have with Hackleman, that's all gold to yeah. try to figure out what to do with your program. Because what he does, he does, he does fight team, and he's got his Kempo program, his Hawaiian Kempo with an M program. I love the idea of that. I've been saying to my best friend, Mike, who trained with me uh, at United Studios, and he got, his, he got his black belt in Taekwondo in Korea, which is a little bit different than getting it here in the US, you know? And, did the whole, and he's been saying like, look, you seem burnt out teaching your Kempo program because let's face it, in an area like this, teaching a Kempo program, no matter what, with a bunch of kids in here a lot of time, it's gonna burn you out. You know, you should have a hardcore team that you're training. You know, get those guys that you really want. Like, and there's guys I have who are like, I want to do a boxing match, you know? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, you're 17. I mean, there's 17 year olds out there who've probably done a couple of hundred boxing matches. Feel really worried about you going to a smoker, you know, <laughs> just yeah. showing up for the first one, even though we've gone hard in here, psychologically getting into a ring with someone you don't know is just different. 
but yeah, I mean, maybe I'll check out those podcasts because that sounds awesome. I would love to learn how he's done that and how he's put that together. Yeah, and I think that's that's what thing he mentions is the idea of you have your fight team, and these are the people who want to fight, and it doesn't matter how old they are. And that's another question I asked him too. When do you tell a fighter they're not going to fight? Like when do you? I asked him that once. I'm one of those. I'm like, when do you tell a guy that you when do you know tell John Wayne Parr? You <laughs> yeah, you're done. It's not. It's it's time to throw in the towel. And he said, I never. That's up to them. I, I want to make sure they don't get hurt. I will throw in the towel. I will make sure they don't get hurt. And we could talk about why I threw in the towel because I thought they were getting hurt. But I'll never tell them if the person wants to fight, the person wants to fight. Mm. So like as much as I want to tell these kids right now, one's 14 and the other one's 13, that I don't think they should be doing a Muay Thai match. And I told them that. The most I can do is tell them that. And if they're still saying they want to do it, the mom is still saying they want to do it. And they're all wanting to sign the consent forms against my better judgment. And I told them and I gave them all the information. Now my job is very clear. I have to make sure you've already consented. Then I just have to make sure I do my best job possible to make sure you can defend yourself in that situation. Right. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. You, know, you can't stop them. You don't want to tell them what they can. The whole purpose of teaching them and coaching them is to, help them accomplish things they didn't think they could do. So, I mean, why would you step in their way in a situation like that? Yeah. makes total sense. And then I have, again, when they don't have a fight, again, another thing that I'll mention to help you if, if you don't have time to watch this podcast, everybody in Hackleman's Kempo program, everybody in Hackleman's fight program, the, his fight team, are mandatory have to do the Kempo program. That's like your foot in the door. You want to be in this school? We do Hawaiian Kenpo. You want to do the school? We do Kaji Kenpo. You have to be enrolled in that program to be on the fight team. But once you're on the fight team, your training is going to look different from the people in the Hawaiian or in the in the Kaji Kenpo program, in the defense program. It's going to be different, obviously. But yeah. but you do differentiate the two, and then from there it'll help you kind of um, set goals. And once everybody knows that, it, it makes it easier. So. That's cool. I'm, I'm going to check it out and I'm going to check out his page. Probably yeah. sign up for his curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> and, and hit him up. Honestly, he's such an easy guy. To talk. And he says this on my show and he's not kidding. When he says, if you're a Kajakimo black belt and you message him and say, I'm a Kajakimo black belt and da, 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 he is there like an open book to help other Kajakimo black belts. That's why we created that Pit Ohana page. That's cool. I'm going to start posting stuff very, on there too. He's super approachable. Like people are always afraid about approaching. They're like, oh, you know, they act like I've never, know, yeah. I've never met Hackleman in real life. I literally approached him online to be on the show. And the way he talked to me, like I knew him for years. And I just want to let all, and he kept saying at the end of my show, it's like, if you're a Kajiko Black Belt, hit me up. He is not, he's not blowing any smoke up anybody's ass when he says, hit me up. You can hit him up and he'll answer any questions. He's very, very easy to talk to. Cool. That's awesome to know. I'd love to do that. Well, uh, we went really far away from uh, Will's personal story in Kajikembo. <laughs> I think we should. I think we got to do this again, Angelo, because yeah. <laughs> I, I was in a totally different mental camp. Like I wanted to talk about all kinds of other stuff, you know. So yeah, I, I think you got to have me on here again. This was fun. No, I definitely. Next I definitely, time my wife leaves for you know a week, and I can actually get on here since it took me three months to try and make this happen. Jeez. No, I, I know you're busy. So like. Yeah, definitely. I will have Will back on the show. What I do want to do right before we wrap up, though, because we were we were getting through your story about how you opened your own school. Obviously, talking right now, you have your own school. Um, where can people find your school? Where can people train with you? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can find our school in Rancho Bernardo in San Diego. Uh, so you're more than welcome. It's right in between Rancho Bernardo and Forest Ranch. And uh, yeah, if you want to come in and train, we're in this giant warehouse for some reason in the middle of summer when it's actually 85 degrees, 90 degrees in San Diego. And so, yeah, you can find me there and you can always message me online. I mean, if you really want to train with baby Oscar from Ghostbusters, you know, we, we can make something happen on Zoom as long as you try to train with an actual person. But yeah, I mean, uh, that'd be where you can find me. And what's the name of your program? It's uh, West Coast Martial Arts Academy. And yeah, we're teaching Hawaiian Kempo Jiu-Jitsu. Who knows how many variations of the word Kaju Kempo there could be out there, you know? <laughs> a lot. 
a lot. Are you teaching? <laughs> oh boy. I, I don't, we're going to wrap this up, but <laughs> is that Hawaiian Kempo with an N or an M? It's Hawaiian Kempo with an M just to make it confusing. M with an M. Yeah. Okay. With an M. Okay. There's a whole other spiel I could go on that, but I'm just going to leave it right there. There is. I, I, my original name when I was a kid, before I got my black belt, I made my like online name and God, I hope no one actually looks this up. Kempo Black with an M. And after that, after researching more stuff, I'm like, I don't even know if that was the right thing to do. I was like, there's Kenpo too. Like, should I have been Kenpo? It's this whole identity crisis as a kid. But yeah, so that's a whole nother thing, isn't it? Like Kenpo versus Kenpo. Oh yeah. No, the, like I said, I'll, I'll send you a result of that stuff because this goes into another conversation that I had about why Kenpo with an M. But Will, thank you so much for coming on the show. For my listeners, after an almost an hour and 10 minutes, I'm going to ask you to please like and subscribe to my channel. If you're still here, you're you know, still I don't there. know how you made it. <laughs> Congratulations, you survived. Yeah, if you're still exactly. awake, if you're still awake, <laughs> or if you just woke up and you're still listening to me ramble, hit like and subscribe. And definitely check out Will's Martial Arts program. Thank you, Will, for being out. And catch you all next time. Peace.